Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Giorgio Satis. He's the co-founder and CEO of Nutrafol, which is a hair and wellness company. Nutrafol has been on a tear. It's been growing a lot. Like a little less than a year ago, uh, Unilever bought a majority stake in it. And I want to ask just all about being, you know, a startup digitally native brand underneath that umbrella. And I know that you have some really exciting new announcements when it comes to um, channel expansion. Um, You just uh, launched in Sephora, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm really excited. So how are you doing? Thanks for joining. I'm very good. Life is good. A company is thriving. (laughs) That's (laughs) good. (laughs) Our people within the company are great. So I can't wish for better or more. So um, first, let's start at the beginning. Uh, for those who don't know, tell us about yourself, how Nutrafol started, all that jazz. Yeah, so my, my name is Giorgio Zetis. Um I started the company with, um, with my co-founder, um, uh, Roland Prata about uh, seven to eight years ago. 2016 was really our first year where we, um, where we started to sell. It all started with a personal issue that we all experienced um, my background is engineering. Um, I was also in fashion. I was a model in the past. And um, I, I never thought that I would get involved uh, with uh, a hair company. Um, but I was suffering from, from hair loss. Um, I was suffering from thinning hair um, in the early days. So when I was 21, I started to thin out. There was enough evidence that I was genetically predisposed. My father lost all his hair by the age of 23. So, um, yeah, it was, um, so there was enough evidence that I would go down the, uh, the same downward spiral. Um, and I took a very proactive approach. I went to, um, I'm half Greek, half Dutch, and I was in Holland. I went to a dermatologist and he prescribed me, uh, finasteride, which is, uh, the FDA approved, um, hair loss drug. Unfortunately, I suffered tremendously from some of these, um, known side effects uh, such as uh, sexual dysfunction. So that was not fun as, as a young man. I, I lost my confidence uh, and I was on the drug for a very long period, period uh, amount of time. So I was always seeking for a solution that was just healthy and very effective at the same time. And there was just nothing out there. Everything that was so-called healthy, right? Just the basic vitamins and minerals for, for hair. Uh, we're simply not working. We're not powerful enough to to stop my hair fall. And um, some of the drugs out there, including some of the um, over-the-counter uh, uh, formulations, were just either terrible, terribly to use. It was um, very hard to stay compliant, and um, or just just such as Propecia, Finasteride, that were associated with uh, side effects. So I was incredibly motivated to find a solution for myself and for others, and. It was just faith that uh, myself and uh, my business partner, Roland Parata, came together. Long story short, he um, he suffered from um, RA, rheumatoid arthritis, and he um, he treated that in a in a beautiful and extraordinary way uh, with some very potent uh, nutraceuticals that were targeting inflammation, uh, microinflammation, and some of the side benefits that he was experiencing was um, was hair regrowth, uh, which was super interesting. So that's how we came together and we became research uh, friends and buddies for for years. Of course, down the road, we included doctors and our hypothesis that was all about targeting the multiple root causes that lead to decrease in hair health. 
um, that um, that hypothesis is 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 now published and peer reviewed and is now being used even by doctors to to teach residents um, and to inform their patients that there is something available, something holistic that people can do to um, prevent uh, hair loss um, or um, just um, protect their hair, right? Protect their hair and uh, increase their hair health uh, for the better. So we're very proud of that research and science is a, is, is a part of our DNA um, and we continue to just double down on that. So that was... Uh, the origin uh, of, of the story. So now even looking back, it's uh, it's been such an amazing journey. And we're so incredibly grateful that we've scaled. We have so many customers that are incredibly happy and we're really changing people's uh, people's lives because this is, uh, this is an emotional uh, issue and problem that people are experiencing. So um, us being able to add a little bit of value there is, um, is something that... Uh, that is uh, quite quite amazing. Absolutely. So what was, you know, in 2016, what were the first products that you came to market with? And then I want you to fast forward really quickly and tell me everything that you have now. Or not everything, but like sort of how that's grown in terms of product selection. Uh, absolutely. So we launched with two key products, a formulation, a hair growth nutraceutical for men and a hair growth nutraceutical for women. And we stayed incredibly focused. These two products were really the beginning of the success and we we maintained that focus pretty much throughout i'm I'm a very big believer in in focus and just doubling down on something that you know really well and something that's researched really well and just continue to listen to customers um, get the feedback um, and uh, and just continue to optimize if you continue to listen and you're hyper focused in something and you truly believe in it and you're very passionate about it. I don't. I don't think there's any way of failing, and that that's a, that's an approach that I, I apply in my daily life, but also in my professional life, <clears throat> and it's been shown to be incredibly successful. So we've done that. We stayed with these two products until 2019, 2020, believe it or not. Then we launched a post-menopause, pre and post-menopause formulation that is incredibly successful. That audience for us is even larger. In our entire men's audience, which is which is crazy, um, just it tells you how much of a need there is um, for that audience, for that population to um, have a product that they trust and uh, a product that speaks to them and can resolve the issue for them. Um, so that's been uh, that's been a, a, a great choice. And after that, we uh, we launched some boosters uh, to further personalize the experience for people. We all are very different. We are in different life stages. We are in different life. Uh, we have all different lifestyles. And as a company, we can control someone's life, right? So, but what we can is we can listen and we can obtain information for us to be able to tailor something a little bit more personalized. So that's been, uh, that's, uh, that's been a, a great choice because we, we build a, uh, an algorithm that was all based on hair testing. So we would take hair tests and we analyze your body's chemistry. And that's how we found all these correlations with um, different systems within the body, such as thyroid, the thyroid, <clears throat> uh, your thyroid, uh, your microbiome, your liver, 
right? And all these uh, different organs within the body that actually do play a role when it comes to hair growth um, uh, cycling, really. So these were all very new findings and um, we formulated uh, a boosters accordingly. So if you have a specific lifestyle um, or um, you are in a specific life stage, we're able to further supplement if that is uh, necessary. So that's um, that's really the core of our business. Um, core uh, hair growth nutraceuticals are targeting the root causes uh, from within, such as inflammation, the genetic hormone, the stress hormone, um, uh, cortisol as well, um, oxidative stress and dietary deficiencies. That synergistic effect of these ingredients um, is, is incredibly powerful and it's been shown in um, clinical trials that are placebo, placebo um, uh, run clinical trials and also uh, controlled. Um, and that's been the core of our business. Um, we launched some topical solutions as well uh, last year that are also very successful with that just simply to further support the, uh, the core supplementation to make sure that people do not damage uh, their hair because all the shampoos and conditioners that are out there that are out there are not necessarily helping when it comes to uh, uh, hair growth. I wanted to ask you we had we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago um, who's also in the wellness and science space. It was Seed Health, and we got into a really fascinating conversation about uh, leading with science when when you have scientific papers or you have uh, you know trials as the basis of your product. How do you go about? you know, marketing and educating that to your shoppers. So how do how, how important is it to you that you talk about the fact that, you know, this was tested in such a way and these types of, you know, experts bolster it, or is it just that that helps you prove to your, you know, to the company that it works and you're just telling customers that it works because it works? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And, and by the way, I, I appreciate what Seed is, is doing because they're also like us, they're, they're doubling down on science and they double down on what they believe is, is 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 right and they continue to do research around around that topic and goes back to focus right and we've done exactly the same uh, we were we're actually one of the first supplement companies that invested millions of dollars in just clinical trials to just prove to the world but also to ourselves most importantly that something that we're about to sell and we're about to promote and attach our names to is um, actually providing value, right? So people at the end of the day, especially when they ingest something, they um, want to achieve results. So we, um, there was a lot of skepticism and there's still skepticism around, um, does it work, does it not, um, right? Not necessarily about the product, but there's skepticism with supplementation in general. Um, and that's for the right reason, because there's, a lot of companies that are um, manufacturing supplements and making claims that they cannot substantiate. There's companies that um, that put ingredients in formulations um, that uh, are not the correct ingredients, or um, or they don't put the right amounts of ingredients, so uh, the ingredient can be powerful enough. So there's um, there's a, there's very good reason that there's skepticism, and we always uh, strive to set the bar extremely high and um, help to change the industry standard. And what you see now, and we started this work um, in 2015, 16. 
us investing in clinical trials, and these are not easy clinical trials. These are six month, 12 months clinical trials. It's not a, it's not easy to run these trials, um, especially at, at that level. We're using the gold standard at clinical trials that are being used for pharmaceutical drugs. Um, so, but we're very proud of all that work uh, because we are setting the bar higher and um, the industry is, is, is following slowly. Which is, which is great to see because at the end of the day, it's going to be greater and better for the customer. The customer is becoming more educated around pretty much everything in their lives, which I think is amazing, especially when it comes to wellness. Uh, with everything that has happened the past few years with the pandemic, we all have become more uh, wellness-focused. Uh, uh, We're all paying attention a little bit more to our health, which is which I think is a good thing. Um, and with that comes education. And I think as a company, you have a responsibility to do your homework, to make sure that, um, that everything that's being sold is rock solid and will customers commit to you. Um, you uh, feel good about that and you feel confident and you've got a support system in place that goes beyond product to set, set them up for success. Um, so, and we continue to do that. There's multiple clinical trials. We don't have to continue to do clinical trials. The, the product is proven, the product works. Um, uh, people achieve amazing results. Um, but uh, we continue to double down because we, we want better efficacy. We can optimize these formulations in the future. There's different delivery methods that we are exploring as well. Um, so there's always room for growth. And Often I say the biggest competitor that we have is ourselves, right? So how do you continue to just challenge yourself, not just from a brand and marketing perspective, but also from a formulation and product standpoint to make sure that you're staying at the forefront. So I'm incredibly happy to see that the industry and the world is moving to a place where science is way more top of mind, even though not every single consumer is reading a clinical trial. It's a great feeling if you know that the company has invested and is committed to that type of work, um, because if not, I don't believe in um, in creating uh, a trust right with 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 your consumer, and, and, and eventually that's absolutely needed in order for you to also just build a sustainable business that is uh, that is healthy. Right at the end of the day, it's, it's all about retention. In your marketing, how much do you focus on the science itself, or is it you know? Do, do, and do you find that actually resonates with consumers when they see that there is a clinical trial, or is it just more you know? You talk a lot about how that was the proof in the pudding for yourself as a company, but in the on the marketing side of things, is that as important, or how do you go about explaining that? Yeah, so it's all tied together. So our clinical trials were done with uh, key opinion leaders, doctors, dermatologists that are known. Um, and because of the clinical trials and because of us expanding in the physician network, we're able to obtain the number one dermatology recommended claim. And that's a, that's a, that's a big claim. And that's all done by a third party. So <clears throat> that is a claim that is directly tied to science that is working incredibly well for us, just from a credibility and, and trust standpoint. When it comes to actual science messaging, what we've seen is that Leading with science is, isn't necessarily the answer, right? We, we're still, still dealing with people that are in, a, in, a, in an emotional state um, and often they just seek for help and seek for a solution. So you want to approach it in an authentic um, and in a, in a beautiful emotional way, right? You're talking to people, you're not talking to consumers, right? And 
Um, so we're not necessarily leading with science. We're leading with uh, storytelling. We're leading with um, understanding where they are um, and um, us being there uh, to support them either with products or even sometimes with a simple conversation with our doctors. Um, so we're not leading necessarily with science, but it's really, really good to then, especially uh, later down the funnel, to show um, 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 our people that the science is there. Some people are very interested. Some people are science geeks. We appreciate the geeks that are diving into the science, um, <laughs> but not everybody is the same. So um, just the fact that it's there and it's uh, it's supportive, is uh, we, see, um, we see that that helps a lot with conversion across the board. Got it, got it. So speaking, I wanted to switch lanes a little bit and talk about sales channels because traditionally you were online only until somewhat recently, right? Yeah, so we're lo- launching in Sephora... Um, in uh, actually next month, so in, uh, in in February. So we were very D2C driven. The reason why that was always an important strategy for us was, wasn't necessarily um, because it was for us easier to scale. It was, it was simply because, because <clears throat> back to the ethos of our brand, we, we would do everything in our power to set people up for success, right? To have them succeed with, with their goals, in this case, with their hair goals, right? So it's very important for us to be able to have all these touch points and make sure that we're there for them. We describe ourselves as a partner in progress for people. Um, so in order for us to do that, you need these touching points and you you need to be able to interact with them if, if, that's, necess- if, if that's necessary. If people, for whatever reason, do not experience the results that they would like to achieve, we're there for them, right? This is not... This is not about selling product. This is about, again, setting people up for success. So we've got naturopathic doctors um, um, on board. We've got physicians. We've got an entire physician network that really helps all the customers um, uh, um, um, achieve the results that they want. Um, So the D2C model was always very, very important for us because it allows us to to, to scale that model um, on the website and on Amazon. So, and there's beautiful synergy between these two channels, powered by the credibility and the thought leadership in the physician channel. And we stayed very focused in these three channels, Nutriful.com, Amazon, and the Physician Network. And these three channels work very well for us in synergy. So the physician channel obviously is the credibility, the trust, thought leadership that is then creating the trust for the other channels as well. And then on Amazon, obviously, we understand that we know the power of the channel from a brand awareness standpoint, search perspective. And that is uh, that is a beast by itself, but that's also driving uh, Nutriful.com um, um, uh, revenue and customer acquisition at the same time. So we've stayed very focused there. Now, obviously, expanding into a much more traditional retail environment, it's going to be very important for us to make sure that our metrics, our attribution modeling and our diminishing return modeling is staying on point because that's that's how we scale effectively and efficiently, which is what we're doing now. How are you approaching that? Like, are, are you bringing in external help? What are you, when you're, when you're thinking about attribution in, in um, wholesale brick and mortar for the first time, that's a whole new beast. So what what's yeah. on your mind with that? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's definitely top of mind for us. We have built in-house a... A very strong attribution model and a diminishing re- returns model um, that is operating on, on a real-time basis 
um, afford the existing marketing channels, which is incredibly powerful. It's also one of the key uh, keys uh, to to success as being able to to spend what we spend, but also uh, while we increasing spend, our customer acquisition is actually coming down, which is which is quite rare. Um, now with the addition of the retail channel, whatever touching points we can uh, we can include in an attribution model is, is going to be very important. It's work in progress. Um, it's work in progress, um, but um, also us being able to do a lot of tests um, and, um, and, 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 and really understand if there's uptick in the markets where we advertise and where we have retail stores, if there's synergy between advertising and retail and making sure that there's incrementality um, there is going to be very important. So it's all about the more touching touch points you can gather in order to feed the algorithms. Um, that's something that we're currently working on very actively. Um, how that's going to uh, play out in, in, in reality is, is still a bit of a question mark, but we feel very confident that um, our marketing engine can adapt very quickly to take these learnings into consideration and if there's inefficiencies for whatever reason, we're going to be able to pivot very quickly to make sure that there's a, a state of balance very, very, very quickly. Because that's at the end of the day, as you know really well, uh, when it comes to customer acquisition cost, especially with um, the level of spend, um, that's where um, that, that, that has to stay efficient, right? And then your CAC and your LTV ratio that has to stay in balance. Otherwise... Um, of building a healthy and profitable business at this scale with this level of growth is very hard. So that is that's something that we're very, uh, very, very passionate about. Absolutely. I want to get more into how you're dealing with LTV and CAC. And this question sort of goes to that. But I wanted to ask about um, subscriptions, because if I go if I go on your DTC website, the first thing I'm offered, I think, is uh, a year subscription. It's pretty much like clearly want people to buy into the subscription, which makes sense for such a product. I am able to buy a one-off. But then also, how do you do that on Amazon? And how are you thinking about doing that as you launch in Sephora? Or like, what, what is sort of the thought so that you do have customer re- retention the way that you have had with your DTC site? Yeah, that's a, gr- that's a great question. Nutriful.com, our retention is incredibly strong. Our subscription models, they're incredibly strong because it's also powered by um, a very um, compelling value proposition, which is we go beyond product. Uh, we've got doctors uh, on staff who are setting you up for success, right? And that approach is incredibly personalized. So that is by far the strongest on Nutriful.com. That's why our subscription ratio there is incredibly high. Like 85% of our the people that are checking out on Nutriful.com are subscribing, which is which is quite unheard of, right? At, at least also with 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 with, with this, this pricing point. On Amazon, it's a different behavior because on Amazon, um, it's uh, it's it's also a different customer. People are typically buying other products at the same time. It's more the uh, on-the-fly uh, type of a purchase. Um, so the subscription ratio, the subscribe and save ratio there is way lower, um, which is quite quite typical. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, we're looking at the business holistically, right? And 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 there's as long as our blended CAC and our blended LTV across all these channels is in a healthy place, we're doing a good job. 
And um, as we scale, understanding the ratio between these channels is going to be very important. So that when it comes to retail, which is a great question, um, it goes back to, um, to, 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 to understanding who that customer is. If you, if you, if you don't know who that customer is and you don't have their name or that you don't know if they're new or repeat, it's going to be very hard to calculate your LTV uh, ratios. Right. But the way we see it is um, even though um, Nutrafol.com and Amazon are real acquisition channels and then the physician channels for credibility, uh, the Sephora partnership is really serving also as credibility, but also just brand awareness overall. Right. And the market is so large, like our TAM, our to total addressable market is about 114 uh, million people just in, in the United States alone. So we don't necessarily see it as um, a channel that will um, cannibalize um, a customer's um, and, and disrupt whatever we've built um, in-house and on our own uh, channels. But we see it as just simply incrementality, right? So even though we may not be able to identify precisely whether a customer is new and therefore tie it to a specific purchase either in the past um, or an existing one, and then, and then understand the LTV associated to that, even though we're not necessarily going to be able to do that as precise as we do now, um, what we are going to be able to do is to measure incrementality and making sure there's no cannibalization taking place. And then it's just icing on the cake. And then we're gonna be able also through brand awareness studies to see how brand awareness across the board is growing and how that then contributes to, um, to lowering your customer acquisition also again on a blended basis across the board. Right, which is often what happens. The more brand awareness you have, um, the less it takes to, um, to, 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 to convince customers um, at, the, um, at the lower funnel level. Um, <clears throat> and we see that a lot with our TV advertising as well. The more we spend on TV, which is very measured um, and we do incredibly well, the more we do there, um, the cheaper um, a lot of these other advertising channels become because of um, because of the awareness. I want to get into that. You, you say that Sephora is as much uh, a sales play as it is a branding play. Are you being precious with who you work with on this wholesale level? So is Sephora like one of the only ones you'll work with because you, the, it's the type of customer you want to hit? Or down the line, do you want to be in a Walmart, in a Target? Or like, how, how are you thinking about that in terms of it being a brand marketing play as much as it is, you know, a, a sales channel? Yeah, it goes back, it goes back to what we originally discussed. I, I, I like remaining focused, not, not just as a, uh, uh, from a product standpoint, but also from a distribution standpoint. If we launch in a channel, we want to do it really well. We were able to launch in retail and traditional retail years ago. Um, but we, uh, we were precious um, and um, because we believed that there was still so much room for scale and we want to make sure that we're supporting our customers the best way we can. So we waited. Sephora is a great partner. Um, they have a, um, an audience that we're currently not necessarily addressing, which is um, a little bit younger, um, but also very much focused on, on beauty, right? Um, so we're excited about that because we're currently not attracting that customer. 
Um, our customer is um, is typically a little older, um, uh, quite savvy, uh, and really wants to solve a problem. Um, and, um, and 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 we're addressing that quite quite well. But now with um, Sephora uh, being able to um, speak to different audiences and test and learn and adjust and listen is something that we uh, are incredibly excited about. So yes, absolutely precious when it comes to um, expansion. We believe that it's the right partner for us right now and there's no um, no immediate plans for us to go into, into mass. We're still a premium brand. Um, our price point is... Uh, is higher than average um, because of the um, the ingredients uh, that we use that are absolutely top notch, um, and uh, of course the clinical trials and all the support associated with that, the patents, etc. Um, so, um, so yeah, we're premium and um, we want to keep it tight, focused, and uh, and as supportive as possible to uh, to our customers. Got it. I wanted to ask just because uh, it's now been, I want to say like eight-ish months, but uh, it last May, Unilever purchased majority stake in the company, right? That's right. Yes. Has that changed anything or how has that changed your mindset as as the CEO? Has it just felt like you're in a, a more steady place as a business and not dealing with the grind of being a startup and you don't know what's next? Sort of how have you been approaching that and what has the biggest change been for you in that position? I, I love the grind. I think the grind is what <laughs> keeps, keeps, keeps everyone, everyone going. If we lose the grind, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be in a good place. Um, I love to fight every day. Every, every day is a new day, right? And, and obviously, you know, with this, with this level of impact, um, you're dealing with with problems at the same time, right? And you, you want to, uh, as an entrepreneur and as as as, as a company that it's taking that is taking on a lot. Um, there's every day that, that 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 something happens, and it keeps me it keeps me going. It keeps us on our edge. Um, uh, I love solving problems every day. It's it's what keeps me going, uh, and I, I I love to um, to know that we're adding real value to people's lives if people can feel either even a little bit better about themselves on a daily basis right if you if you as a company or even as an individual can contribute a little bit to that it's like that that's that's impactful that's that's amazing right and there's too many companies out there that are just um just noise right just just selling stuff and um i'm very proud of uh, what we do on a daily basis and we're getting uh, and we see that through our customers and the feedback that we're getting um, every day, every day. So with uh, with Unilever, what I'm excited about is um, is to continue the grind, uh, to uh, uh, continue the um, the uh, the push, um, and um, to maintain our growth mindset, which is absolutely the case. Um, Unilever um, allows us to operate um, very autonomous within their organization and then using their amazing resources to um, to scale um, um, at a much much larger level so for me personally it's 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 incredibly exciting it was an amazing milestone uh, for us as a company to in a turbulent time where the world was not doing that well um, to be able to find a partner uh, and to strike a deal that was um, that was absolutely amazing um, was 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 
was something that we we're very proud of. So moving moving forward, um, having a partner and the resources um, on their end to take what we've built um, and expand that um, on a global level is is something that um, uh, that I truly truly look forward uh, to uh, to doing. So definitely um, definitely the entrepreneurial mindset is still <laughs> alive. It has to continue to go. The grind is is amazing um, every day because that uh, that what keeps you on your edge. You can't get uh, lazy um, or think that you um, that you, that you're the greatest because that's when uh, things uh, can go off track really uh, really quickly. So Absolutely. continue to compete with yourself. Yeah. So we're just about out of time, but I have a few more questions. I'm going to probably put them all into one, and you can take and leave whatever you want. But you mentioned uh, TV as a as a big marketing investment that you're doing and how that's lowering your bottom of the funnel um, CAC. And that makes sense. But can you just talk a little bit about on the marketing front, what it is that you're focusing on now, specifically because it's been such a tumultuous digital uh, marketing landscape with you know iOS 14, different things like that. So what are you thinking about in terms of how, how you're reaching customers and then following that to make it even bigger? Just what, what are the plans for the coming year? Is it product expansion? Should we hear more about new, new store partnerships? What are you thinking about? So those are a lot of questions, but take it away. <laughs> Thank you. From a marketing perspective, there's a few things that not just um, we are doing, but I think everyone should doing. It's it's all about diversification and making sure that um, you diversify it from a marketing perspective. The more channels, the better, right? Um, it's too turbulent as as you as 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 you have described. Um, it's it's true. Um, and with some of these changes, you want to make sure that you can pivot as quick and as fast as possible if you see inefficiencies. Um, we're incredibly diversified. We're over you know, uh, 30 channels from a marketing perspective where we advertise, right? So we're able to pivot quickly. So if you're able to to do that um, and, and using data to to power that, you're going to be in a much, much better place. But that's not for everyone because it, it's... You wanna you wanna make sure that you also have a product and a service that is able to advertise in all these channels, and that of course depends on are you solving a real problem for people? Um, is it a great brand? Do you stand for something? <laughs> are you purpose driven? Is it like it all depends on your entire brand ethos and and and, and product offering, right? Um, so if that's in a good place, you're super diversified. And then, and then what we're doing now is we, we really focused on our first party data because of all the touching points we have, either through the quiz or any, anything else um, that is happening, the behavior on, on, on Nutriful.com, all that data is being captured. And we're able to just understand and learn more about our audiences and, and using that data to power our marketing engine is is um, becoming even more important moving uh, moving forward. So it's really a combination of um, diversification and and the use of first party data that allows us to um, to scale efficiently. From a product st- from a product standpoint, um, when the times are turbulent, I believe in slowing down and doubling down again on what you know best. There's all these companies and products. It's like the more products, the better, right? And it's like, you know, products extension there, product extension there, um, another supportive product here. And you're creating confusion for customers. It's like, what do you stand for? It's like, sometimes you only need a few products, right? That solve a problem. 
Um, and this is not about upselling people. This is about <laughs> solving a problem for people. And sometimes one product is enough. Um, and that's a very important uh, strategy that we have applied and we're going to continue to do that. Obviously, there's a lot of innovation on the R&D side that is taking place, but that's all in the spirit of just making the products better, stronger, more efficacious um, and staying at the forefront of science. Um, from a, um, from a, a, a retail uh, a perspective, uh, we, um, we are very committed to Sephora to expand um, on their .com, but also um, in, uh, in their physical, uh, physical stores, retail stores. So that's a very exciting plan. And then of course, with, um, with the Unilever infrastructure and resources available to us, um, uh, I think the most impactful move in the next few years is going to be about um, scaling glo globally. Um, and that's something that, uh, that we're actively working on and uh, the hair loss and thinning is, is a problem that uh, we're not experiencing just in the US, but it's, uh, it's happening pretty much everywhere, unfortunately. And it's a growing problem. So we believe we can, uh, we can make impact there. You hit on everything I wanted to hit on with that huge question. Thank you so much, Georges. This has been a, a really fun conversation. I hope it was helpful. Um, thank you so much for your time, your thoughtful questions. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.